Hello, my friends. This is life coach Mike Chargman, and welcome to an episode of Mike's Search for Meaning. I'm after some big questions. Why are we here? What makes a fulfilling life? How can we grow individually and collectively? Each episode, I'll dive deep with leaders who are doing great work in the world and see how they organize their life. Books read, value systems, resources used, and stories that show how each of you can create the life and the world of your dreams. My guest today is Chelsea Flagg. You can connect with Chelsea at her website, chelseaflagg.com. And she is also active on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. All of these are linked in the show notes. And additionally, I always donate to and raise awareness for the charity or organization of my guest choice. This episode, Chelsea has selected Breast Cancer Awareness as the organization. So please join me in donating for a beautiful and meaningful cause. I invited Chelsea to be on this podcast because she is exploring an arena that is unique to me. She does writing coaching and is a prolific writer in her own right. And Chelsea would posit that everyone has an inner writer, someone who wants to create and share all of themselves. So one of the avenues that is really powerful for writing is uncovering and unearthing who you are. So a lot of this conversation is centered around how writing can help you get in touch with the person you want to be. And something that I've been in touch with of late is just how potent creation is in all of our lives. Even someone who isn't actively creating is probably really moved by the arts, by theater, music, movies. And it's a whole different experience to be able to channel creation through yourself. And that's why I think Chelsea's work is so important and so vital. If we are in touch with how creation wants to move through us, there's a whole level of vitality and aliveness that is accessible in a way that merely being a bystander and watching other beautiful art can't get us to the same exact place. And in terms of meaning making, I think that if someone is able to channel creativity creation, whether it's writing, music, whatever your avenue is, then there's a certain ability to connect with the meaning of life and what it means to be alive in a way that just going to work and going through the everyday motions of life, it doesn't give us quite the access to our vitality and aliveness. So it goes without saying at this point, I think Chelsea's work is really valuable. She shares some potent stories of how she's helped her clients get in touch with the core of who they really are and how they want to be in their life. And I think that you'll find really practical insights for how you can channel your inner creator, your inner writer in this episode. With all of that said, settle in, take a deep breath. And enjoy this conversation with Chelsea Flagg. Welcome to Mike's Search for Meaning, Chelsea. It's so great to have you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. So I, I wanted to, we're going to talk, of course, about writing, the healing power of writing and journaling. And actually, I, I know that as a young girl, you were very in touch with the fact that you wanted to be a writer. And so I would love to hear, I guess my come from with this question a lot of times is what were you like when you were younger? But the, the <laughs> first question I ask in every interview is what was it like at your dinner table when you were growing up? Oh, I love that. So yes, as you mentioned, I was 
an extremely passionate writer from gosh, as early on as I could remember. I think the second that I started being able to, you know, string words together on a piece of paper, then those words I realized could quickly become stories. So I was constantly writing and our dinner table. So I'm the middle of three kids. I've got an older brother and a younger sister. And we were required to have a family dinner every night, which I love and still do with my own family. But with that and with, you know, five different personalities with my parents included, of course, it's all over the place, right? Like (laughs) I definitely brought the stories to the table and was a very, again, passionate storyteller, you know, coming from my little my world at school and everything like that and bringing those stories home to whatever degree I could get my voice heard across the table. But with all the people talking, of course, that is also where I found and continue to find this total freedom in writing, you know, of being able to to be heard in my own way or seen in my own way without interruption. So I think that that actually led to, yeah, more writing. Hmm. And that's something that you got sidetracked with, correct? That you, it's not that you've consistently written, even though you love storytelling, loved writing from a young age, that you you stopped for a while. Is that right? Yeah, I did. I did. Well, I I stopped writing from a creative standpoint, I should say. But okay. I I went and it was, you know, the the voice of the world as happens when I went to college and everyone being like, Psh, you can't, you know, you can't make it as a writer, like you can do that as a hobby on the side, but you should really not study writing at school, you know, study something that's going to be productive or, or, you know, whatever. So I studied marketing. I <laughs> tried to find something that I'm like, well, you know, where can I still be creative? So I actually did advertising um, and marketing. And with the intention to go to law school after that, and I started in on that, every single assignment, every single job I've held. I would gravitate, of course, to the writing piece of it. And even in ways where it would be mundane, like at one point I was an event planner doing marketing and event planning. And so here is this exciting job where it's like, oh, traveling and, you know, finding these venues and finding these caterers and picking the menus. And my favorite part of the entire experience would be writing like the damn brochure for my guests to come, right? Like, oh, what to see and do in Denver, right? Like I loved just sitting down and geeking out on that. So yeah, if that wasn't an indicator that (laughs) my life, where my life was meant to reside in. Yeah. So through it all, I, regardless of of what job I held or what, you know, field I was in, it was still the, the writing that would draw me in. So yeah. So what helped you reconnect with that creativity? I'm having a thought in my head or, or a story that I'm making up right now is that one way to find your way back to writing is actually just through writing. So it's like, <laughs> how do you how do you create that kind of on-ramp where the thing that's missing is writing, but what's going to get me writing is writing. <laughs> it is. It's a total catch-22. Yeah. What did it for me was actually the birth of my three daughters. And at the time I was, I had my own event planning business that, in my mind, I was like, this is great. I'm just going to keep rolling with this, you know, after my daughters were born and I can do it from home and it'll be awesome. And I just lost all passion for it. Like once they, once my daughters were born, I was like, I can't do something outside of 
my family that's not just lighting me up, you know, like if, if it's not lighting me up more than, I mean, nothing's going to light me up more than of course being with my daughters, but if it's not lighting me up in a way that, that feels worth it, then what's even the point? So I, I scrapped the event planning business and as I was just kind of doing some soul searching, like, but where, you know, where is my passion? And of course, like over the course of, you know, years and life and whatever, like what's so obvious to other people is so easy for us to forget to see, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was actually my husband who was like, well, you know what you love and you know what you're good at and just pick up a pen and, you know, pen and paper. And so that's exactly what I did. And I started just jotting down, you know, stories from my own life and, and everything. And I have been keeping a blog throughout just for my own personal I don't know. It was kind of a journal for me, but also I'm, I tend to be a pretty humorous writer. So I had a fair amount of people who enjoyed reading that. So I had a blog and I pulled a bunch of those stories that I had already written and just started compiling. Yeah. Compiling my story. And it was exactly what we're talking about now of kind of knowing as a kid what you're into and what's exciting to you and then losing sight of that, which I think we all do to a certain degree because of whatever various external factors, but then finding my way back to, you know, my true self and my my core essence and everything in that. So it, it's funny that you say that because I rediscovered my passion for writing by writing about how much I loved writing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Was, was part of the soul searching just being in inquiry with other people around you? Like, but one of the things I'm struck by in your response there is well, the, the, there's the notion that things that might seem really easy for us are like other people wouldn't. It, it seems harder for them. Like we basically, what I'm hearing is we don't recognize our gifts because it comes easily to us in, in a lot of situations. Yeah, and that's exactly right. So was was part of the soul searching just eliciting support from other people around you to maybe ask something like, what are, what am I not seeing here? What are some blind spots I'm having? Like what, what did that soul searching look like for you? Yeah. I wish I could say that it was that intentional. I think it was much more inward. I of course would check in and talk to, you know, my, my key sources being my sister and my mom, and of course my husband and, you know, some, some really close friends and they would resoundingly say, you know, well, you're right. And a lot of them only knew at this point, especially like my friends and stuff, they knew my writing via like emails or texts or whatever. But even in that, I started to recognize, yeah, how easily it came to me. And in a way, and that is what people would reflect back to me was, you know, I sit and watch my husband like write an email and I, I can't watch him write an email because it just drives me crazy. And the amount of time and like re- editing and deleting. And I'm like, dude, just write, just write the email. Like it's not that hard, but it is that hard to so many people. And I, you know, when something comes easily to you, you just assume that it comes easily to everyone. And you're like, well, this isn't a gift because everyone can do this, you know? So yeah, there was a a good reflection from other people coming back at me, but a lot of it was also just me really revisiting, you know, who, who I have been over the years and really going back kind of to rediscovery of myself, which is a cool, and we'll get into this later, I'm sure, but it's, it's actually a really cool journaling prompt is to kind of go back to yourself as a child and 
you know, think back to like, what did I want to be when I grow up, you know? So there was a lot of that going on. And I was kind of in, you know, that childhood space in a lot of ways with, with new babies and everything Mm. living. I mean, you'll discover this soon enough, but you do kind of relive your own childhood in a way, but you see it through, I don't know. It's so cool. You see it through, through adult eyes, right? So you see it through eyes, but you still see the innocence. So it's cool. Yeah. I mean, even without having kids of my own just yet, although by the time this episode is released, it'll, it'll be really knocking on the door pretty soon. (laughs) I even just passing a kid on the, just say the streets or something Mm -hmm. and and watching the way that they look at the world with awe and wonder. I think it, in some way it it transports all of us back to uh, the way that that was innate in us at some point that we, we didn't have these kind of fixed ways of seeing the world and that, everything was marvelous and spectacular at, at some point in our life. And I, I also wanted to just name that I share your husband's difficulty with writing email. So I, that resonates <laughs> with me. It's not, it doesn't come easy to me. I have to check it over a thousand times. And sometimes this, you know, three line email takes me a half hour to write. And I'm like, what the fuck? How did this take so long? And, Okay, so, so reminds me when we have coffee in person to not watch you write an email. <laughs> yeah, uh, you you would be in a lot of pain, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, but that's an I mean, it's an it's a common thing. It's a and that's what that's what I've realized and learned over the years. And even with, you know, my closest friends who are the most eloquent speakers and just mm-hmm. like and, and my husband's the same way. Like he's an insanely eloquent speaker. I would say I'm the opposite. Like I get up in front of people and I'm like, like, not that I'm like a terrible speaker, but it's just, I'm such a stronger writer than I am a speaker. And so many people, it's the opposite. So, yeah. Yeah. So what, what did you start to rediscover? I was going to say learn, but it's more in my estimation, rediscover about Mm -hmm. yourself when you started to write and get in touch with your story and get in touch with what you wanted to be as a child. Like what, what did you rediscover about yourself? And I know part of that is just, well, I I love to write, but um, there's, there's of course much more to your story. So this maybe another way to put this would be, what did you uncover and rediscover about your story? Yeah, I I think I just started rediscovering myself as a gosh, I don't know, as a as a person, as a person independent of of any external factors or anything that was kind of pushing up against me or whatever, like it just opened up even, you know, way more than I knew was there. So in that way it was learning a ton about myself mm-hmm. and learning you know, kind of my, what my views of the world are in a way that you're not just actively like thinking about in your day, but when you sit down and really, you know, pen to paper it, like you start, I don't know, viewing things, thinking of things, exploring things in a new way. So I think it helped me, you know, at the time also I was, you know, exploring, or I don't know, discovering my relationship around religion, which was something that I grew up with in a very strong way. And I was kind of challenging that. And so even that, you know, was coming up in my writing in a way that wouldn't have if I was just talking to someone else or, you know, so it's, it just got me going really deep, you know, started going really deep. And I think, yeah, combining who I was, is I guess, combining all the pieces, each of the pieces of me, right? So like revisiting who I was as a kid and what that was like and what that felt like 
and then into who I've become and how my beliefs have changed, how my views of the world have changed, you know, all those things. So just really, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's like, it feels so much bigger than I'm able to express, but it's just kind of tying all the pieces together, you know, all the pieces Mm -hmm. of me together. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to share too, because I mean, one of the beautiful things about doing a, a podcast and you sharing your story is that it invites us to reflect on if I were to do this exercise, what would I want to write about? What would my story be? You know, like how, how would I look at myself? Mm-hmm. And it is like every single time, I mean, anytime, anytime someone finds out I am an author or that I have books published, 90% of the time, the first thing, the first thing they say, if it's not the first thing, then 100% of the time it's the second thing is, oh, I've got a story I want to write. You know, I mean, that is everybody can relate on that because we all do. We all have stories. And I think that a big part of people not writing them down is this kind of unconscious, not fear, but it, it feels it feels big. Like people unconsciously realize how much it could uncover <laughs> in a really good way, you know, but it's it can be daunting. But yeah, so thank you. We all have that, yeah, that reflection. And I do think it is fear. I, I know for me, it has been. I mean, I, on a very practical level, I remember just if I was at a dinner party, let's say, and my friends were all telling stories, there were, I would feel all sorts of clenched up inside because I felt like I wasn't as interesting of a person as, mm. as the other people who were sharing stories. So I think there's a lot of different flavors of not enough. And my story is not as interesting as other people's stories. And I would I put that all under the bucket of fear. Yeah. But I know I know one thing that you subscribe to that I certainly subscribe to as well is that you don't have to write for an audience anyway. I mean just right. just doing it for yourself and doing it behind closed doors, you start to I think you get in touch with more of how interesting you are and that and and I've found it to be really connecting with other people's stories too that someone who might be characterized as I don't know, living a mundane and boring life. I know that underneath that, that person, there's so much that has shaped who they are and where they've come from. And if you just go back a couple of generations, even like there's, there's so much rich history that contributes to one person being there. And one way to access that is through writing, if not journaling, then through writing. So I just, I wanted to name that because I think that a lot of people listening to this probably do have some fear around what would I learn about myself and is my story really interesting? And it reminds me a little bit of like I, I did early on in my journaling practice, I, I read a, at least part of the artist way. And mm-hmm. the, I think what what's most famous from the artist way is morning pages. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really had a tough time getting out anything about myself in the beginning. So what the what the artist way in the morning pages suggests is to just write i have nothing to say i have nothing to say i have nothing to say over and over again just really stream consciousness and eventually i mean almost 100% if not 100% of the time for me by the end of the writing which is i believe it's set to be three full pages even if you just wrote the same thing over and over again you have to go three pages yeah. You start writing about something that matters to you, even if it's yeah. just making space for this fear that you've never given space to before. And there's something really powerful about that. So it's so true. It is a muscle. Writing is a muscle and it needs to be flexed. Otherwise, it's 
Yeah. Otherwise it's not. And it's not just flexing it, you know, from a writing standpoint, but it's getting your brain, you know, that actually your brain, it fires, writing fires up an entirely different part of your brain that you can access when you're talking, Mm -hmm. which is wild, you know, so, but that needs to be flexed. It's this muscle that isn't otherwise flexed. So yeah, in the beginning, it's hard. And they're like, writer's block is very real, but it's like working out. It's like going to the gym and, you know, lifting weights and you got to do it consistently in order to keep building that muscle. And then, yeah, some, some days it flows and some days it doesn't, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Still. so yeah, thank you for naming that. I think you're exactly right. Of course. And so something something I'm in touch with right now is there's there's a huge gap or distinction between like getting in touch with the power of writing and now that being the thing that you're doing for a living. You're a writer, other people write and journal and, and get in touch with who they are. Mm-hmm. So if you could just walk us through like when when did that start to get yeah. legs underneath it? Yeah, absolutely. So I wrote my first memoir, or I've only written one memoir. I wrote my memoir, which is called I'd Rather Wear Pajamas, which continues to be true in (laughs) 2015, I believe it came out. And, And it was great just seeing, you know, my name in print and hear this lifelong dream that I had, you know, kind of lost sight of, but then refound in such a big way and my story out there. Of course, it's intimidating when you write a memoir because it's it's you. So, you know, when reviews started coming back and there would be reviews that maybe weren't so favorable and it's really hard to not take that personally because it's like, well, you're not just criticizing my writing, you're criticizing my story, you know? So mm-hmm. it definitely took a bit of a thick skin, but it was like the the positive emotions and energy that came out of that for me was exponentially you know, greater than, than any fear or discomfort or, you know, anything like that around it. So I was, I was hooked, you know, at that point I was hooked and I, a a couple more years went past, well, not even maybe, maybe a year went by. And, you know, at this point, my oldest daughter was four and she started reading herself, you know? And so here I'd been this mom now writing or not writing, excuse me, reading stories to my kids, bedtime stories and everything which you'll you'll discover there are plenty of amazing bedtime stories out there and then there's also some really shitty ones that just like <laughs> you read them and you're like why what like what how how did this get past you know the whole <laughs> everything the team of people that it needs to get past so through that and with my daughter starting to read and I have now three very very prolific readers and writers of myself and my daughters for myself she wasn't feeling excited by these little kid bedtime stories anymore. She was starting to read herself, but even the little early chapter books, they were boring to her, you know, so she was bored with these, but she was not anywhere near developmentally ready for like the Harry Potters of the world or, you know, that next big step. And so I just started thinking, I'm like, but okay, so there's, there's a bridge here that's not you know, that needs to be filled in more. And it's kind of this early middle grade, which middle grade books are considered like ages eight through 12, typically. So this early middle grade where the kids can read it themselves, but they're not boring dull books. Like they're still exciting, right? And nothing like 
super scary or obviously inappropriate happens, but just something that feels exciting for these kids who are ready to read something, but don't want to read about, you know, whatever babyish stuff, like they're past that point. So my wheel started turning on that and I created in my head, well, actually I'll go back first. I, I, as I was doing that, I had like three young adult um, manuscripts in process. Cause I was like, Oh, young adult, it's the place to be. Like everyone has a young adult book out, you know, that's, that's the hot spot. So I was really kind of banging my head trying to write these young adult novels and they kept getting rejected by agents. And it was really discouraging to me. And then I had this moment where I was really, really thinking that this agent was going to take on my work. They had asked for more you know, information about it and everything. And I'll never forget, I was sitting in a coffee shop and I got the rejection letter, which is an author, those rejection letters, man, you got to have thick skin. So I get the rejection letter and it just hit me so hard. I like slammed my laptop down. I left the coffee shop. I got in my car and I just started driving up into the mountains or in Colorado and just started driving up into the mountains. And I'm like sobbing. I probably should not have been driving. <laughs> the tears are just flowing, you know, and I pulled over to the side, to the side of the road and just, I was just crying, you know, just this, the loss of this story and feeling like I had put so much work into this and just feeling like it was going nowhere. And in that moment, this little character just, popped into my head, like as I'm crying and it's this little elf girl, this little tiny little elf in Iceland. And I saw her clear as day. And she was just like, kind of sitting there with me. Like, you know, I even pictured her like on my shoulder, just kind of sitting there. I knew her name right away. It was Tinsey Clover. And I knew in that moment, you know, I was getting ready to go pick my daughter up from, from preschool. And I'm thinking of her and her reading. And I was like, I'm writing in the wrong genre. Like I'm not, this isn't the right genre for me. I mean, I still get like tingles as I'm telling this story. And so I'm picturing this little tiny elf girl on my shoulder and I'm like, her name's Tinsy Clover. And I'm like, I need to tell her story. Like I need to tell her story. So I drive back down, you know, dry my tears and got to work right away. And I started this series. Yeah. Tinsy Clover is the series. And it is, it's just about this little badass elf girl who ends up saving her entire freaking forest, you know? <laughs> and it's an adventure story. It's a fantasy. It's got some like scary moments, quote, scary, but totally appropriate for, you know, kind of a younger audience. And my voice, my writing voice just flowed with this, with this. I felt like every single time I, I wrote, I saw this little elf sitting there like telling me her story. And I was just writing it down. I found that my style of writing was so perfect for middle grade. Mm. Like I had been writing the wrong genre was it was what it was. So anyway, so it flowed. I published two, there's two books of Tinsy Clover out. There's a third one coming, but I've kind of made it less of a priority. So I started that way. And that's how my books came. And then after that, I just felt really passionate about helping other people kind of find their own voices in writing, you know? So I started offering up my services and contracting and freelancing with other editing businesses to edit and be a book coach and that type of thing. And I started doing that. I've ghostwritten a handful of books for people who have big stories to tell, but maybe don't feel like they're a strong enough writer. 
I think I do a really great job of being able to find other people's voices and write for them in their own style. And through all of that, what I've learned is that every single time someone writes their story down, they like healing happens, right? Mm-hmm. So people are are telling these stories and it's not, it's never intentional. Like it's in my editing, that's never something that I've addressed or in my book coaching. I'm never like, okay, now you're going to heal yourself, right? <laughs> like that's not the point, but 100% of the time when people write their stories down or when I help them write them down, you know, like a lot of times in these ghost writing moments, like they have really traumatic stories that they can't push past the trauma point of it. So when I'm able to kind of help them walk over that threshold, like there is a visible, I don't know, release and healing happening. And I just saw this enough times over the past few years that I was like, okay, (laughs) Mm. there is so much more to this than people wanting to get their books published. You know, like there's just so much more than this. Yeah. So that's where I started researching and studying and training in the world of writing therapy and yeah, just helping anyone, whether they're quote writers or not, you know, write in order to, yeah, like we were talking about, discover themselves, heal, just the power of writing made accessible for everyone, you know? Yeah. Sorry, that was a long explanation. (laughs) That was beautiful. And I I have lots of uh, different follow-ups. So May I, I want to start with maybe the more practical. So I on your website, you you listed alternative titles too. So I'd rather wear pajamas is is the name of the book. And you said it also might be a, a list of I didn't write these down, but yeah. I'm just I'm wondering just pragmatically and practically, how did you arrive at that title? Because I think that that's uh capturing people's attention with something like that is is a really important part of of getting your story out there. And I'm just wondering how you landed at that title. (laughs) Yeah, the title was the very last thing I came up with in that way. My working title and what I was certain was going to be the title was actually Own Your Own Strong, Mm -hmm. which I really loved. I actually still have that. I'm sitting on that website because I'm like, I'm going to do something with that at some point. But that was my working title for most of the time that I was writing. And then once I started, you know, like people are nice and that they're like, oh, yeah, that's great. You know, but once you really start digging, then people are like, well, it sounds more like a self-help book or it sounds more, you know, as I started like my the writing and the stories weren't matching the title. And they're like, the title is just just seems too serious for what your writing style is. So yeah, I, I don't even I don't even know if I can tell you like I remember the exact moment I came up with the title. I was sitting out on my back porch. The manuscript was done and I was still just kind of really attached to this other title mm-hmm. but knowing that it wasn't right, you know, so having to pull myself away from this attachment and then I was like, well, but if I find the, you know, the perfect title, then of course I'll be able to easily let go of this other one. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there just I don't know, maybe brainstorming with my husband. I had been brainstorming with friends and just kind of bouncing ideas around. And it was, and then I went to bed that night and it was one of those, like I woke up at 2 a.m. in the morning and I was like, I got it. Like, (laughs) this is it. Like, this is definitely the title. 
And I woke up and the idea still seemed like a good one, which as anyone can say, like those 2 a.m. ideas mm-hmm. more often than not do not seem like good ones when you wake up, but this one still seemed good. So I was like, all right, I like, I like the playfulness of it. I like the, yeah, the humor in it. There's an entire section in my, in my memoir where I lived in Washington, DC when I was aspiring to go to law school and I worked at a law firm and I just did not know how to dress the part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's, you know, just some comedy in there of here, my, you know, my, my seniors in my job being like, Chelsea, like you can't wear H and M like to a law firm. Like that just, that doesn't work <laughs> to a DC law firm when you're having, you know, these high end clients, like anyway, so it kind of suited that story where I'm like, yeah, that wasn't me. I'd rather wear pajamas, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I came about it, but it was the last, you know, it's, it's funny because it was the very last piece of that puzzle where in my Tinsy Clover series, it was the very first, like I knew that was the title, you know? Yeah. So yeah, there's not a, an absolute process. That's the beauty of writing. There's not an absolute process ever. Well, speaking of not an absolute process, I mean, another curiosity of mine is it sounds like Tinsy Clover was almost this kind of, I was going to say divine. It really is. It's like a divine drop of inspiration. And yeah. on one of your photos on your website, I, I spotted it's it's not in super plain sight, but I saw Big Magic by Liz Gilbert. Yep. And it reminds me of, I mean, one of the parts of Big Magic is I think that, you're going to say the exact same favorite part I have, but let's see. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's that creativity. Some, it has, in in my words, it kind of has its own consciousness. Like it, it is, it finds a person and, and just drops right in. Yep. <laughs> had you read Big Magic when you had discovered Tinsey Clover? And yeah, like how, how would you describe that part of big magic, like inspiration being part of creativity, yeah. that it's there's an idea floating around that drops into people. Like, how would you say that has shown up yeah. for you in your life? It's shown up. It shows up every day in my life. I'm trying to think now timeline of when I read big magic versus Tinsy Clover. I think I think I read big magic first, although I can't say that with 100% certainty, but I love her idea. It just makes so much sense to me that there are not genius, like we are all geniuses, right? Like there's not some people who are smarter than others or more creative than others or anything like that, but there are genius ideas floating around and kind of flirting, you know, flirting with people as they go. And then when we're being flirted with by a genius idea, it's our choice. It's our decision. Like, do I want to dance with this or do I want to let it go and go to someone else? And if I want to dance with this, like, am I willing to go all in or am I going to do it for a minute? And then it's going to move on. Right. Like I love that visualization. And I think of it anytime I have an idea, you know, where I'm like, okay, here's this idea that's chosen me, but I get to make the decision if I'm going to hold on to it. If I let it go, it's going to go to someone else. And that's great because it needs to be expressed into the world at some point, but how cool that it came to me first, or, you know, probably not first, but how cool that it came to me at some point in the process. 
that idea just, I love it so much. I, yeah. And it really does it. I think about it multiple times a week as I get these thoughts or as other people get these thoughts, like I've shared anyone who hasn't read big magic. I'm like, okay, here's like, here's the cliff notes of like the best part of the book is that exact idea. And I do feel like that, like Tinsy Clover, absolutely. You know, it came right to me. And in that case, it was, it was clear, you know, it was clear as I'll get out of being like, okay, this idea came to me. Hell yes. I'm taking it. I'm grabbing it and I'm running with it. You know, when an idea is flirting with you, do you notice any commonalities in terms of, is there a sensation that you feel in your body? Is there a a specific thought pattern you have? Like what, what do you notice is happening when an idea chooses you or uh, question? Yeah. I think I feel excitement. I definitely feel excitement. I think it's in those moments. And I think we can all relate where you have this idea and it's bubbling up in such a big way that you just feel like the adrenaline around it. And your mind is like, you know, racing a mile a minute where you're like, oh, and then I can do this and then it can go here and then it can, you know, reach this amount of people. And this is exactly like you see it so clearly And it just feels unstoppable, right? Of course, give it 10 minutes and you'll be like, oh, fuck, I can't like, (laughs) how how in the world am I going to implement any of that, right? But yeah, I think that that's that dance. It's the flirt where it feels, you feel unstoppable. You feel bigger. The idea feels bigger than yourself. And you feel like you can do anything with it. You know, you're like, oh, yes, like this is, here it is. Like, here's my big, here's my big thing, you know, Mm -hmm. feeling. Yeah. And I think maybe we can circle back at some points to, I think there's a, a beautiful combination, integration, whatever word you'd use to describe it of having that kind of divine inspiration or having an idea that just comes to you with really just the practical, like I am going to write for 15, 20 minutes every single day and just showing up regardless of what level of inspiration you do or don't feel. But I think that one of the primary intentions that I had in this conversation, one of the through lines of my show is the healing power of any number of different things. Mm -hmm. And, and writing certainly can be really healing. And I'm, I'm in touch with certain things in my life that I've written about. So I'm, I'm happy to share personal experiences that have been really healing for me. But what are some moments that have been where you felt like either you're witnessing with a client or, or in your own journey, like what has that looked like for you in terms of the healing power of writing? What was, what was something that you wrote down that it had that release that you spoke about that something you were able to let go of something that maybe you're holding on highly to? Yeah. I, you know, a a few instances popped immediately to mind. I'll start with my personal experience and I can share one from a client too. But so in 2020, smack dab in the middle of the pandemic, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So started going down, you know, that road and everything that that looks like. Through it all, I really held tightly to a couple of different modalities of therapy one of them, of course, being writing. And with the help, I was also doing some shamanic work, uh, so shamanic journeys and stuff. And this idea kept coming up, not just in the shamanic work, but in other therapies I was doing too of, have you ever heard of like true essence work, true essences? So it's this idea that every person comes to earth with, you know, some core characteristics, 
And so they're not characteristics that are, you know, temporal or stuff that, you know, it's not like, oh, I'm pretty and that's a characteristic or, you know, anything like that. It's like true core, like you have been flying through whatever universes and generations, you know, wherever your spirit's been, like your spirit holds on to these, these essences. So I was super curious about this and I'm like, well, (laughs) I want to know my essences, right? Like who doesn't? So I started doing these writing exercises around this. And here I am like, you know, going through this really big physical challenge in my life and feeling all sorts of vulnerable. And I mean, you know, insert your, your word of choice, but I was doing these, I started doing these writing exercises to explore my true essence. And it was like writing down a couple moments in my life where I felt truly alive, like in every emotion possible, like I felt truly alive. So I started doing this. And then through that, you write down the emotions that you felt. And it's crazy because the experiences were like totally different experiences. One was the birth of my first daughter and one was singing up on stage. I love singing, Mm. but the, the words, the emotions, the way that I felt between those two pretty different moments was exactly the same. Like, so these emotions repeated themselves, you know? And so then the idea is that you cross out all the things that are temporal, you know, I felt really sexy or I felt really, you know, whatever, like cross those out and then you combine the words together. So anyway, it's this writing exercise where you're pairing, you're continuing to pare down words and you're seeing it all done visually because that's the power of writing. And in the end you come up with, you know, a handful of, or a small, a very small handful of words that are adjectives that are your true essence words, right? And that was such a powerful journey for me over the course of, you know, a week or whatever, as I was exploring this, that I ended up, I I have a tattoo on my side and the colors and order of my tattoo are actually from these true essence words that I discovered through writing. And they really were, you know, super big, powerful words that helped me get through this cancer journey which I've done twice now. And I still just pull strength from that, you know, and this reminder of, you know, these big things, but yeah, man, power of writing. So. (laughs) Yeah. Could you, could you share the true essence words that you came up with? Yeah, absolutely. So it is expansive, capable, intuitive, and instinctual. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah. And you also said that there were, when I asked the question initially, you said that there were things coming up for you and there were also client examples, or at least a client example. So I'd love yeah. to hear the client example. Yeah. So I helped this woman ghostwrite. I was her ghostwriter because she was one of my clients who had a really big story to tell and just didn't feel like she was a strong enough writer to do it herself. She, and this, a decade had passed since this had happened, but she lost her one-year-old daughter to a mosquito bite. So her daughter had been stung or bitten by a mosquito. Mm. And within, you know, a week or whatever, like it just, she went very quickly downhill and ended up dying in the hospital. And on her death certificate, there's no cause of death because the CDC kind of buried it, you know, under a rug. Like they didn't want any attention drawn to this certain area. It was a, a, a natural, you know, park or whatever, where this happened, where they aren't really monitoring different things, you know, or whatever. So 
anyway, this woman has gone face to face and to bat with the CDC. And like, she just, this poor woman, all she wants is closure, you know, here, this insanely tragic thing happened to her. And she can't even like, she doesn't have, I mean, of course, it's impossible to find closure in it anyway, but there was no, you know, explanation. So 10 years later, she's been trying to write this down and just kind of have her story be heard. And she found me and I helped her, especially in those hospital chapters, you know, where she was saying goodbye to her daughter. I helped her write that down. And the tears that came with that. And, you know, of course, tears of sadness from both of us. Like that was a really, really intense project to work on and be part of. I really had to put myself in a place and then you know, I had some different meditation things to pull myself out of that place too, because it's a really heavy place to live in. And here I was like taking on her voice and writing as though I was her. So I was feeling a lot of her emotion through it, but the tears that came and then feeling the shift and when they became healing tears, you know, and her seeing the story written down, she ended up getting it published And yeah, just her being able to breathe a little bit better after that here, after 10 years of, you know, holding this so tightly and so wound up and just seeing how she was able to, you know, kind of relax a little bit more after that and feeling that closure that now, okay, my story is told, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Would you be, first of all, thank you for sharing that. That's a really powerful story. And being that it's published, is it is it something that you'd be willing to share, like what the name of the story is? Yeah, yeah. The book is called Just Beyond My Comprehension. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll make sure I link to that in the show notes as well. That's a really powerful story. And I really, really appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it's it's one of many stories that I've, you know, had the great honor to watch firsthand happen, you know, the power of the power of writing stuff down, man. Yeah, yeah. So earlier on, you started to speak a little bit to how when we're writing, it's, it's firing a a different part of our brain is is engaged and is firing than if we are speaking. Mm -hmm. And I just, I'm wondering, like, why, why do you think it is so powerful? It's so healing to be writing in a way that it, it seems like maybe through therapy and other modalities that they have been really helpful for you, but that they didn't get you all the way there in, in a certain way. So what do you think it is about writing that is that gets you all the way there, gets people all the way there with regards to like making contact with this thing that's so important to be said, but it's really hard to be said. And yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's a, it's a few different things. I think the biggest piece is of course we all know how amazing therapy uh, is and can be, and there's so much confidentiality there and so much security and safety. But it's also you're saying words out loud into the air to another person that even though it's a safe space, I think there still can be some huge blockage in doing that. You know, like is can I actually trust? And it's not usually not a conscious thought, but somewhere in us, we're holding on to like, well, but can I actually trust this person? Or I've got, you know, really big, scary, dirty, you know, whatever things to say that I just don't want 
you know, I don't know, there's something the, the second you say them out loud, they're out there, you know, they're, yeah. they're out there and they're floating in the air. And I don't know, it's, it's hard to hold anything <laughs> close once you say it out loud, of course. So I think that that's a huge, huge benefit of writing is that it 100% stays between you and the page. And some people are like, well, yeah, but when you write it down, it's permanent. True. There's such a big difference though, between, you know, writing something on the internet, <laughs> which of mm -hmm. course is never private versus having a notebook that you can do anything with, you know, you can write a page of whatever and then rip it out and burn it or you just throw, you know, whatever you need to do in order to get it out of you and, and down onto paper. So it just, and of course there's not another person involved. So it's just you talking to you, you know, mm -hmm. sharing your thoughts with you. So there really is truly zero judgment. There's zero, yeah, you know, you can share your your biggest, darkest, dirtiest, whatever thoughts and secrets and anything like that. And just the release, it is very similar to therapy in that the biggest part of it is is being able to release, you know, and not holding on to that, not letting your body hold on to that, because of course we all take that on and it becomes physical ailments and that type of thing. So any chance you can take to release those big things is awesome. And, you know, whatever therapy works for you is awesome. But writing is definitely a really, really cool one to consider. Mm -hmm. Are there questions that come to mind? Like one, one that comes to mind for me that I, I sometimes engage in is I will imagine a, a time where I felt wounded or, or didn't get what I needed in some way when I was younger and would just will drop into what happened there and and maybe the pain I was in and a version of what did that version of me need in that moment and then to write that out so does do things like that come up like what are what are some ways that you help people get in touch with a prompt or a question that would evoke the like you know the the writing to that part of yourself that wants it really wants to be healed in in some way and mm -hmm. and we are probably stuck though yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned morning pages, which is awesome and such a cool thing, but also, and you mentioned this too, it can be, it can feel daunting a little bit when you don't have guidance in it, you know? So right there, you know, write three pages a day. Awesome. There's huge power in that. But when there's a prompt, you can take it that much deeper, right? Like you're still getting the benefits of writing every day, but you're also, working towards something. So yeah, I've got a, I'm, I'm, I've been working on different programs as it relates to writing prompts and intentional journaling and that type of thing. And as it relates to touching on your younger self and things that maybe your younger self needs that didn't get met. Um, I really love um, writing from your younger self and by that, I mean, just thinking of yourself, you know, I'll give a writing prompt, for example, like what made you feel safe as a kid, right? And it can be, it doesn't have to be super serious, like enlightened stuff. It can be like, oh, for me, it was like, I would go to bed every night. And the second all of us kids were in bed, we started hearing like the popcorn popper popping, like my parents mm -hmm. are downstairs, like eating popcorn every night, right? Which is then the sound of that and the smell of it. And of course, as a kid, you're like, oh, come on. Like, why don't we ever get popcorn with you guys? But looking back on it, I'm like, that was actually a huge 
comforting security sensation because I knew that I was safe. I knew that my parents were downstairs connecting. I knew, you know, all these things that um, were really powerful. So just like little gentle prompts like that. I encourage people if they're having a hard time getting into kind of that childhood state to write with your non-dominant hand in your notebook. I always recommend people write in a notebook Mm. instead of typing on a computer, but write with your non-dominant hand because it looks childlike. It looks like, you know, and the struggle that we as kids that we've long since forgotten, that is learning how to write you know, learning how to write letters and connecting, you know, oh, how do you make an A? You know, I mean, these are all things that we all experience. So it's a cool exercise to write with your non-dominant hand, write using crayons instead of a pen, you know, get out some some scissors and paste and, you know, create something visual just to get your brain back into that childhood mode. And then through that, you're able you know, in small ways, kind of reconnect with, with that childhood piece of you. Yeah. That's, it's bringing up when I was younger, I, I always had a tough time falling asleep. I was actually really scared of like never waking up. I I was very much in touch with at some point I'm going to be sleeping forever. I'm going to, I'm going to die. And I, I remember questioning my, especially I was, I think I was 10 years old when September 11th happened. Mm. The, the attack of the World Trade Center. I was very much in touch with my mortality at that point. And something that helped me feel really safe, as you were explaining the, the popcorn, I felt really safe when I heard like white noise or ocean noise mm. in, in the background that we, just playing it on a, a tape recorder or something would help me fall asleep much more easily. And a lot of times when I'm when I'm stressed at work or like getting through something that I find monotonous, but I know needs to get done, I, I hadn't connected these dots before, but someone had recommended this brown noise video on, on YouTube, which mm. very much sounds like white noise or like an ocean wave. Mm-hmm. And I find it very soothing. Mm. Uh, and I think that, that in some way that's like deeply within me. And, and if I'm in touch with that, then I probably feel a little bit safer to explore all these otherwise really daunting areas. Is that one of the byproducts of, of doing this? Is that like from that yeah. childlike place, you're using crayons, you're like really kind of setting up the environment of when you were a child mm-hmm. that you start to explore a little bit more and you're a little more open, more curious, creative, all that fun stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And it also, it gets you to, you touched on it. It gets you to a place of feeling secure and safe you know, and because you're still that kid, that kid is still you, you're still that kid. It's a piece of your, it's a piece of of your whole being, right? So what was comforting to you then continues to be in some, you know, whether unconscious or conscious thing that helps you feel safe and comfortable now and tapping into that. Yeah, absolutely. I do. In one of my programs, I start with like, it's a six week program and I actually set it up so that the first two weeks you're kind of in your childhood uh, mode. This is all via, you know, journal prompt, but you're in your little childhood mode. And then week three and four, you're kind of in your present self. And then five and six, you're looking into the future and visioning, you know, what being the author of the story you want to create, you know, that type of thing. So the very first week I start with uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you're familiar with that. Of course. Yeah. So it's a pyramid that, starts with the whole idea of it is that in order to get up to the very tip top, uh, which is self-actualization and, you know, 
kind of being the the absolute best, you know, whatever person you can be, you first need to start at the bottom of the pyramid, which is physiological needs, and then safety needs, love and esteem, or sorry, love and belonging, and then esteem. Um, but so it starts at the very bottom and you have to go back and be like, okay, what is a child? Like I said, how can I, we all have this pyramid and there's holes in it for all of us, you know, but it's kind of helping to see where those holes holes are and seeing if you can kind of patch them a little bit, you know, if you can go back to your childhood self as now an adult and hold, hold your childhood self in a way, in a moment where you didn't feel safe or, you know. And through that, the idea, of course, is then you build on to, um, yeah, just healing a little bit more. And again, they're super gentle prompts. You know, it's not the the prompts themselves aren't these big, you know, huge, powerful things. But when you start writing, that's when the magic happens, right? Like you are the big, huge, powerful thing. Yes. <clears throat> so one of one of the things that you point out on. I think it, it's your website or just in the content that you're putting out, a lot of the messaging you put out highlights that journaling, it, I guess the, the important part of it is to do it really consistently and to be in the mm-hmm. practice of journaling. And that for a lot of us, it becomes stale after a certain amount of time that we get bored of it. We're like, all right, I even beautiful things like I'm going to write down what I'm grateful for. I'm going yeah. to like remember the things that mattered most to me when I'm a child. But at a certain point, I, I imagine that we we come into these plateaus or roadblocks, and uh, and that's something that you point out in in your messaging. So, how do you help people engage in a way that the practice can be so it like it's brushing our teeth or something? We know we're going to sit down and do it every day, regardless of it, it's not like a do I feel like it or do I not feel yeah. like it? It's just like so deeply ingrained. So, how do you help people right. like work through that? Yeah. So um, again, like I mentioned earlier, it is such a muscle to flex. It's like working out where the more consistently you do it, the more consistently you do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do, I set up the program where you get to your in like your email inbox every morning, just these super gentle, you know, writing prompts. And before that even happens, um, I have a fun little quiz set up uh, that you can take to see, Um, Like what it it actually is all based on what your learning style is. So visual, audio, kinesthetic, but based on that can help you determine what a really great, safe, comfortable writing space for you is. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's really encouraging people to be really intentional with it, you know, and of course, like if you're journaling in the middle of car line, waiting for your kid, you know, at school pickup, like, awesome, you're getting it done. But if you have the space, it's like a meditation, it's like a workout, like Mm -hmm. the more intentional you can be with it, the more you're going to show up for it, you know, so my, my hope, my idea is that I try and make it super easy where I'm like, okay, in your inbox every morning, which we're all looking at, like, you know, that you're going to see an email from me, and it's going to be a super simple prompt. And it's going to come at 5 a.m. So you wake up, you know, whenever you wake up, you just pull out your notebook, you pour yourself your cup of tea or cup of coffee and just crank it out, you know, and get it done. And I think, you know, kind of the sweet spot in writing can be anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes. If it goes past that, awesome. But if it goes shorter than that, awesome. Like you're still showing up and you're still doing it. And my hope is that, you know, with, with a prompt, 
it's it just makes it that much easier, you know. Mm-hmm. And they're fun. I think the I mean I'm of course biased, but I think the prompts are fun too. You know, they're not like okay, really, you know, you really have to go deep or whatever. Like they do take you deep, but I don't think that it takes a whole lot of effort to get there. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I'm hearing is just getting past this hurdle that it's some sort of chore or job and that it needs to be heavy and deep. It can be, it's like just maybe I taking the stance that writing is fun and, and like moving through with that belief can already take mm-hmm. a lot of the, oh, you know, like I have to journal today. I have to, oh, got to sit down and I have to meditate and we make it a to-do list instead of something that's really nourishing and, and fun for us. So yeah, I think it's, it's also, you know, there's, I think there can be a little sticking point because, you know, so many people are like, you know, this whole idea of like, well, I'm not a quote writer, right? Like I'm not a writer, so I'm not going to journal. But I actually think, and from, you know, my research and my, my own experience, I think people who aren't trained writers actually journal better because the idea in journaling is that you let go of any and all writing rules that you've ever learned in your life, you know? So it's like, you don't need to be indenting your paragraphs. You don't need to have perfect punctuation, you know, like it actually, the more you can flow with it, the better. So that stress you can just let go of, you know, it's like, you're, this isn't being graded. You're not handing this into a teacher. You're not, you know, you're not trying to get published or whatever. Like you're just like writing. There's actually, I love this idea um, that when you write freely like that, if you don't go back and, you know, delete, this is another reason why I don't like people to journal on their computers because it's so easy to edit and delete and see the red lines and fix it. So many times when people journal, And I wish there was a really poignant story that a friend of mine in a writing group had that I can't come up with right now. But when you journal freely and you're not going back and like, oh, no, I misspelled that or whatever. When you go back and reflect on it, sometimes those misspellings or those punctuation, whatever errors that we might view are actually they can be huge insights to what our unconscious is trying to tell us. Right. Like maybe you misspelled something, but it spelled something that was even more profound, right? And what it actually meant. So yeah, I think that can take a lot of stress off people too. It's just this idea that like, yeah, it doesn't, you don't have to, no one's grading this, right? Like you don't <laughs> have to be a perfect writer. In fact, the more imperfect a writer you can be, the better. You know, my sister is, she's she has been, she was one of my guinea pigs, you know, <laughs> in some of my yeah. programs. And she is not a writer, but she is a highly, highly creative, you know, she's got all sorts of quirks, but she took it, you know, I I took it very much to heart when I said, just do whatever resonates for you. And she, I don't think has written a single sentence, like along the lines of her notebook, she has bright colors everywhere. Her words are flying Mm -hmm. upside down, sideways, all over the page. And I'm like, and she's, and it's so profound for her. Like she's experiencing this world in a way that she never has before, you know, and it's been really, really cool to watch her kind of go through that process. But yeah, it's like, it's your journal, like you mm-hmm. do what you want with it. You don't have to write, like turn it upside down, turn it sideways, you know, like it doesn't yeah. have to be anything serious. Yeah. Yeah. A big shout to all the the type A's and the, the do it right <laughs> and be the best, the high achievers out there. Like just, just do the thing, do in whatever way feels good for you. Right. Right. And that's also where, you know, writing with your non-dominant hand, like it's because I, 
I tend to, or I used to, I should say, I was, I was the type of kid and I would journal as a kid, but it would be like, oh, today we went to IHOP for breakfast. Right. But I was very specific about like, oh my gosh, my writing doesn't look good on that page. And I would like rip it out of my journal because it didn't match the theme of, you know, it didn't look professional enough or whatever. I've long since let that go, but yeah, it's just doing it, you know? So there's, there's two curiosities I have that you've spoken a little bit to that I think could be helpful to, to bring into awareness now. So one is the environment that you're writing in, right? Like having a a spot that feels like whether, I don't know if you'd call it a sacred space, but not there's nothing wrong with doing it while you're picking up your kid, but like creating a space for this is where I journal or this is where I meditate. So what is, what does your environment look like? How do you create your environment so that you find it like a a fun nourishing space to write in? Yeah. Well, I'll come a little bit full circle and talking about like the, you know, going back to childhood stuff. And it actually is a cool exercise to like, think back to when you were a kid and what was your best way to study or whatever. And in my case, it was very much like I could not do anything until my bedroom was like spotless. Like I would clean and then, (laughs) and I don't know, I mean, maybe I was procrastinating, but I think that it was just like, I'm the same today. Like my space needs to be clean. And so I actually like my ritual, my warm up to writing is like cleaning my space and clearing it out because I think that it just helps unclutter my head too. So a clean space is definitely huge for me. A warm bevy is very mm-hmm. huge because I am very big into, I'm just, I always run cold. So like blankets, yeah, warm tea. I sit by the fireplace and quiet. Well, that's that that actually does not have to be consistent for me. I either work really well in the quiet or I need the buzz of like a coffee shop. It's one or the other. And I actually find that it depends on, you know, what I'm writing. If I'm working on something and it's a more energetic piece, I actually really love the buzz of a coffee shop. I cannot listen to music when I write because I'm one of those people who know every word to every song and it is so distracting. <laughs> so I don't listen to music. It's either silence or yeah, the buzz of a coffee shop. Awesome. And uh, the second curiosity I had was just around being in groups. You said that in, in some ways you've participated in groups that you maybe lead groups as well. And mm-hmm. I find that it's a really powerful way, regardless of what the activity is that you're all sharing in common a really powerful way to enforce something or to make it stickier is to be doing it in a group. So I, I'm just wonder if that's something that resonates with you in any way, if, if that's part of the way that you look at this process as like, maybe do you have people that you're writing with every day? Do you have a group that you show up with once a week? Like what are some ways that you look at this? Yeah, I, I am. I've, definitely been part of some groups in the past, but I find that I'm much more of a lone wolf when I write. And I think a big part of that is because, you know, I am a mom of three and everything. So when I get solo time to write, I really, really cherish that solo time. That being said, I love the idea of, you know, being accountable, like holding myself accountable and people can be great to do that. I love helping other people and just holding space for each other. You know, I had this idea, I was actually brainstorming this with a couple of friends, but you know, like the whole book club thing where 
once a month, someone picks a book and you all meet up and maybe have wine or whatever. And I'm like, we should do just like a journaling club, right? Where everyone, you have your topic of the month or whatever, and then you just show up and write for 20 minutes and then, you know, have some wine. And there doesn't have to be, you could have conversation, you could download or not, right? Like it's just, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's the other, the other beauty of writing. Like you can process it out loud or you don't need to, you know? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And something else that you could maybe creatively do that it's, it's, I do it sometimes. And that is, it's connecting for me in some way right now, if you're not in a group and you want to be by yourself, but it would be helpful to in some way engage with someone other than yourself. It's really easy, at least for me to get stuck in my head and like go into my old patterns of wanting to do it the best and do it right. I might just think about a person that I would like, if I were speaking to the person I felt absolutely safest in the world to, who would that person be? And, uh, and even from that person's point of view, like I think of my coach a lot of times because my coach I work with, who's really like a therapist that I confide in, in every single way. He asked me amazing questions that get me to the heart of what matters to me. Mm-hmm. So sometimes if I feel stuck, I'll just imagine what would, his name is Yotam. Mm-hmm. Like, what would Yotam be asking you right now? And that can help get me unstuck. And it, it helps me connect with kind of his consciousness. And then it gets me in this, I'm not in my own space here, but I am in my own space. So I get kind of the best of both worlds. So it's, it's another way to look at it is like, yeah. who do I feel safe with? And what would they how would they help me feel safe? What would they be prompting me with and, and going yeah, from yeah, there? That's a great idea. That is a great idea. Yeah. And with my journaling prompts, I also offer one-on-one sessions, you know, just to mm. help people download or process. I actually, it's my favorite part. That That is my favorite part. I love, and I never ask, you know, oh, what were you writing about? Or, you know, share whatever. Like I'm, I'm not there to kind of intrude on that at all, but it's just a really cool chance to help people process and yeah, kind of unpack any emotions that have come up or any aha moments that have come up. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. So Chelsea, is there anything that we haven't spoken about today that feels important to you with regard to writing? I, I have a, a couple of more things that I would love to ask you, but I feel really good about the ground that we've covered about your story, about why writing matters to you, why why it matters to everyone, how healing it can be. Is there, is there anything that you would like to speak about that we haven't so far in this conversation? No, I don't think so. I think we've covered a great deal of space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I think I wanted to maybe just move briefly away from writing. And is there anything, you, like you mentioned therapy at one point and that you're you're in Boulder, so you're near the mountains. And I, I imagine there's other things that are really, that contribute to what makes you most come alive. So I would just love to hear other than writing, which is of course really powerful and healing. What are, what are some other ways that you look at in your life that feel integral to you? And I imagine one of the answers is just being a mom and being a partner, but what, what are some other things that kind of paint the full picture of what it means to be Kelsey and what matters to her? Yeah, absolutely. I definitely love Music is huge in my life and makes me feel really alive in so many ways. I'm a singer, keyboardist, flute player. I've, you know, I I always joke where I'm like, at any point in my life, there's three things kind of that are circulating in one way or another. Like they show up in different forms, but one of them is of course writing. So I'm always, I've always got some writing project in whatever form. The second one is music. 
So I've always got something musical going on. And at one point I was doing like, like hoop dancing, like (laughs) hula hoops, right? And so I'm like, oh yeah, but it's music and it's movement. So music is huge to me and really, really an elixir of life. And then the third one is health and, and nutrition, which is where Jules and I really connect. But yeah, those three things are huge. So health, nutrition, I love being in the mountains, you know, feet on the ground, hiking, just feeling grounded in that way. Yeah. Sunshine makes me really happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And just, I don't know, I guess those are, those are the big ones. Mm-hmm. Just waking up every day to, you know, see what the day has in store, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nutrition is something that I'm really passionate about. That's why, and, and Jules, by the way, listeners is a, a past guest. So that's, that's how me and Chelsea ended up in this conversation. But what are, what are some ways that I know everyone's different and that that's why I love asking because I, I just find it fascinating that we all have different things that work for us. But how would you look at the way that you eat and, and your health, wellness, nutrition? Yeah, so I have been vegetarian for, gosh, coming up on 24 years, 24 years. So I was vegetarian long before it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> and even then, when I was exploring that in college, I was working for a natural food store, once again, long, long before that was cool, and started just kind of discovering these different modalities, you know, around nutrition. And I did like the raw diet for a minute, which I do not advise. And I was vegan a number of times, you know, just kind of started playing around with, wait a minute, different things make me feel different ways, you know? Mm -hmm. So I've landed now on, you know, I eat, you know, obviously mostly greens, mostly veggies and stuff. I do eggs because that Mm -hmm. feels good for my protein. I do have a love hate relationship with eggs. I'm like, I either cannot get enough of them or I cannot stand like the sight of them. It's nowhere in between, but yeah, it's just always a fun exploration. And I love, I just geek out on the feeling of feeling good, you know, Mm -hmm. based Mm -hmm. on, based on what you're eating. So I'm here with my green juice and my tea and yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. So I just have a few more questions for you. These are the the ones that I, I usually ask in every single interview and yeah, it's been, it's been a real joy to get to know more about you and the work you're doing. So thank you. And I I just, I want to know first, what's an ordinary everyday moment that brings you great joy? Mm, I love that question. I am the type of person, and if you were to read my memoir, I think you would quickly learn this. I am the type of person who I've always been able to find joy in the most random mundane things, right? So I do not easily embarrass and I am constantly doing embarrassing things and it just makes me laugh, you know? So it's the little things in in life. It's seeing, you know, the random people doing something weird on, you know, Pearl Street or whatever that just makes me smile. I love seeing people. I, I don't know. I love seeing other people in their joy, you know? So when I see that, that I really get a kick out of that. And yeah, just dumb, random stuff, like seeing, you know, smiley faces, you know, the hidden smiley faces in mailboxes or whatever. Just, <laughs> I don't know. I, I've always found great joy in just the really tiny, random things. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Are there uh, books that have influenced you greatly that we haven't, like, I know we've spoken about Big Magic and The Artist's Way and your books, 
Are there other books that you would recommend and maybe specifically around creativity or writing or, or helping people get in touch with who they are and what matters to them, things like that? Yeah, I don't, I'm, I feel like I'm still exploring a lot of books around from the journaling standpoint. So I'll get back to you on that one. Hopefully before this gets out, maybe you can add a link. The one I will say that it has nothing to do with like encouraging you to write, but my, I feel like my spirit animal is Tina Fey and reading her memoir actually is what really encouraged me to write my own because I was like, if she's just talking, like she's, she's just talking. Why can't I just talk? You know, why can't I just write and talk and people will be interested in that. So yeah, I would say from a book standpoint, as far as I'm concerned, like reading whatever inspires you as a person, like Mm -hmm. I find that sometimes self-help books are great. And then sometimes they just feel too, I don't know, too big. Sometimes I, I just need a silly book to remind me that like, oh, wait, this person's just writing, you know, like it's not this Mm -hmm. huge, impactful, powerful, like, you know, statement they're making, they're just writing. So I don't know. I guess that's where I land a lot of times when I need inspiration. I go to like the most, yeah, just silly, goofy little books that just Mm -hmm. remind me that like, oh, wait, I can do this. You know, why couldn't I do that? Yeah. What do you think is the kindest thing that someone could say to you? Mm. I, I, I think people recognizing, I don't know. I think my quirkiness, I love when people see, I guess, the real me through anything else. I definitely love when people see my kindness and my intention to be kind come through. That's really big. Mm -hmm. And yeah, where would you say you feel most unfinished or like where, where do you feel you're most leaning into these days in terms of growing, developing? Yeah. Well, as I mentioned, my very first true essence word is expansive and I feel like I've only just touched on that. Like I I do feel like I'm just getting into my own expansiveness and power and spread, you know, like I feel like, and maybe it's these genius ideas, you know, flirting with me, but I do feel like I have so much, so much more to offer and so much more to do and so much more to explore. And I'm now, you know, coming into a time in my life where I really can, where I can really start doing that in a big way. So yeah, I'm, I'm just all sorts of excited these days. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I could feel that. So I'll, I'll make sure that I link to an, anywhere that people can connect with the work that you're doing. I'll link to your website uh, and I'll make sure I in- say this in the introduction. I'll, I'll uh, say what all the handles are, but Instagram, TikTok, all the places that people can connect with you. Yeah. Is there anywhere that wouldn't be there that you would invite people to check out? I mean, I'll link to your books as well. So they should have a, a breadth of different ways that they can engage with what you're up to. Yeah, I'm really trying to, you know, at one point I had like, oh, this website and this website and this website. And now I'm <laughs> like, okay, I just need to have it all on my website. So yeah, chelseaflag.com and you should be able to find find what you're looking for there. <laughs> awesome. All right, Chelsea. Well, the final question I ask in every interview, the podcast, as you know, is called Mike Search for Meaning. And I would love to know in your words, what it means to live a meaningful life. I think just waking up with intention 
whatever that intention looks like, like maybe your intention for the day is, you know, I don't know, eat chocolate cake. Awesome. Like let that be your intention. I think it's just, yeah, not limiting ourselves and whatever that looks like. It's, it might look different on different days. You know, some days you can, I don't know, show up in much bigger ways than other days. And that's awesome. Like do what you can. And that's exactly what you're meant to be doing. I think that that's the biggest thing is just remembering that you are exactly where you're meant to be doing what you're meant to be doing and showing up how you're meant to be showing up, however you're doing it. It's exactly right. You know? So Mm -hmm. that's my intention every morning is do what I'm doing because it's what I'm supposed to be doing. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, as good as intention as uh, as anything, really. So, Chelsea, I really appreciate, like I said, you taking the time to be here and and engaging with this really important subject matter with journaling. Yes. Uh, journaling has really, yeah, it's it's made a big impact for me. And and one of the things that I'm leaving today with, for sure, is that I think as an industry, industry, personal development, self help, whatever you want to call it, we can take ourselves a little bit seriously and. Like we need to go deep and we need to make these mm-hmm. like profound discoveries. And there was an element of that, especially in some of the stories that you shared today, that that, that is one of the byproducts of doing this work. Mm-hmm. But also another byproduct, which you really highlighted, is that life just has that zest to it, that it's exciting and we're silly and quirky. And mm-hmm. and these are really beautiful things that we we don't need to... I don't know, come with this grand purpose of who we are, that sometimes our purpose is to just laugh and have a really good time. And for whatever reason, for me, that's something I need to remind myself of and and something that was highlighted in this conversation. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time to be here. And yeah. this kind of dance of like uncovering really deeply held stories and even traumas that we might be working through with mm-hmm. also just a lightness and having a good time and, and enjoying yeah. this life. Yeah. Yeah. Showing up every day and, you know, in any case and anything you do, right. Like even your meditations, like let them be goofy sometimes, certainly with writing, like let it be goofy or let it be serious. Like you just, I don't know, follow, follow your own lead on it. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks again. And, and to all the listeners, whenever you are listening, I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day or evening. I hope that you Connect with yourself in whatever way feels right, including if it's eating a piece of chocolate cake or writing something down and take good care and lots of love. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to Mike's Search for Meaning. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, share this episode with your friends and leave a review. I look forward to seeing you next time, my friends. And until then, stay safe, stay well and keep living with purpose. Peace.